Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us today, we have special guest Jeff Ferry of the Jane Saw Bob Minute with us again. Welcome. Bing! Bing! <laughs> Bing! Yeah, and, and Jeff is back to, to talk about uh, Minute 10. Did we say yesterday we were talking about Minute 9? Yes. Yes. I was just thinking back. I don't remember actually introducing it. Yeah. So anyway, so so yeah. So Jeff is back with us once again, and we're here to talk about Minute 10 of Groundhog Day. So in minute 10, Phil gives us the 100% chance of departure to Mrs. Lancaster, which he thinks is going to happen. Uh, he then pats himself down and mock patronage of the, uh, the homeless man. And we are greeted by the one and only Ned Ryerson. <sighs> Boy, it's going to be a good juicy minute. Yeah, you're going to get uh, all the Tobolowski you need in this minute. <laughs> so let's, uh, yeah, let's finish off with Mrs. Lancaster's scene. So she smiles back at him, and I, I really think that smile is, I am glad you're going. Like, I am glad. I think she's smart enough to realize this scene with him was was not, wasn't fun. Oh, yeah, she's a wonderful lady to keep that smile on her face. <laughs> I'm assuming the minute he turns around, she's just like, she calls him an expletive under her under her breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, the biggest eye roll. She's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she is in the service industry. She's, you know, so I'm sure she's dealt with her share of fills that she just kind of has to mm-hmm. to smile and take it. Sometimes, you know, you don't you don't want to get ruined by a bad Yelp review. So just grin, kind of grin and bear it. Though I like a little bit this like Phil's kind of. I feel there's a little there's a little charm here. He's a little a little charming. This chance of departure today, 100 percent, kind of going into the the weatherman jargon. Yeah. If he didn't have the previous minute of being such a you know complete tool to her, that would have just been like, oh, that's a cute little thing to say to her on the way out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, Harold Ramis talks about how uh, when they were when they would be filming a scene, Bill Murray would ask if he's if he's a good fill or a bad fill in that scene, and, and he, you know that that Murray would kind of sometimes seem like he would get mixed up in terms of how he's supposed to play, which. I can't as an actor I can't blame the guy cuz there's so many scenes where they go over the same scenery and and similar action having happening around him mm-hmm. that as an actor you can kind of get lost of of where you are in the movie and uh Ramis said definitely in the beginning that this was an example of of bad fill of what we saw yesterday definitely but I feel like this is a touch maybe this this one line again like like Jeff said if you separate it from what he was talking about yesterday, but just this one line, maybe this is a little bit of the, a little bit of good Phil. At the very least, he's almost charming Phil. <laughs> I don't know. The, I, I mean, I still think he's bad. He's just, yeah, like whatever. I mean, you can see why he makes it as a weatherman. He's got that. Like, if you don't know him on a personal level, I'm, I'm sure on TV, he seems very charming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we don't see this, but after he gets his coffee and leaves, I honestly wanted to know if there was a scene of him sipping and being like, Oh, this is bad coffee. Oh, just pours it out like on the sidewalk or something. <laughs> like I'm very, I'm very curious if he and he does it like on the front lawn, kind of like, oh, ooh, like I'm, I'm very curious to know if like yeah, you know we don't we don't get to see it, but uh, yeah, he certainly doesn't take the coffee with him, and we see him walking up the street. He yeah, he doesn't have anything in his hands. 
Yeah. I'm kind of perplexed. So he, so he passes an old man, kind of looks homeless, begging on the street corner. And he fakes the move like, oh, he's checking his pockets. Like, oh, do I have anything? And then he doesn't. That's a little bit out of character. Like, I'm surprised he even fakes it. Like, I would think he he's the kind of guy that would just avoid eye contact and keep walking. Yeah, because you know he's done this in Pittsburgh. There's going to be a homeless guy or two on his way to work in, in Pittsburgh. And he he must either – he has this day on, like, I always do this. I always do this. Like, because he wants to make sure, like, people who – you know, the thing is that he – if he, he's got to look like he's uh, yeah. a good guy in front of his people in front of Pittsburgh, you know. So people are like, oh, hey, that weatherman, he was a jerk to that homeless guy. You know, you don't, he doesn't want that, any of that bad press um, <laughs> yeah. in this in his city. But uh, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, Phil enjoys small towns the way I enjoy this city. Because, like, when I go to Philly, I'm a real, like, I get in, I do what I need to do, and I get out. Like, I'm a suburb boy through and through. I really am. Uh, it's like, oh, uh, Philly, it's too much sometimes. <laughs> like, I go in and I do the, I do the activity. It's a great place to visit. Yeah, I visit and I get out. Yeah, my friends are like, oh, why don't you live in the city? I'm like, I, I, it's just not in me. Like, I just have the anxiety of just like, uh, yeah, go to the convention or you go to the comedy club or you go, you go, you're seeing your friends and then, you know, or the sports show and then you're out. See something, get something to eat, get out. <laughs> I'm like that. So my feeling on his walking past the homeless man, he's doing one of two things from my perspective. He's either doing the pat down to try to buy him time to walk past the guy so the guy won't talk to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because once he passes him, he stops doing it. So he's like, all right, I'll pass him. Screw that guy. Yeah. Or the other thing is he's literally doing it just to twist the knife on the guy. Definitely. <laughs> to be like, oh, I'm going to give you something. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> to make him get his hopes up. Yeah. Oh, I have so many pockets. Where can I put my money? Oh, where's all my money at? Where's my gold bars at? Oh, sorry. Right. I must have left them at home. Yeah. So it just depends on. How horrible you think Phil is at this point? Because, yeah, the, the, the homeless guy really is. He's like slow in the uptick. His hand really does follow Phil the whole motion going past him. And he just kind of like he does his eyes linger on Phil a little bit longer before he realizes that yeah, he's not going to take his wallet out or anything. Yeah, he does turn it. I just, and I do want to mention the, the actor here, uh, Les Podwell. Podwell? Uh, that, that plays the old, the credited literally, quote unquote, old man here on the corner that we will see again. And uh, I want to mention we in this podcast we don't get too much into uh, kind of the history or IMDb listings of, of what stuff these actors have done, but I want to mention uh, Les here because he is the grandfather of Kathy Podwell, who played Ga- Callie Ewing on Dallas on the television show Dallas. And I wanted to mention that just because she was on that program until 1991. And I was shocked to find out that Dallas was on TV until 1991. But and then did they also have a revival a few years ago? Well, yeah, no, yeah, there, there was a revival like in the 2000s. But I'm like, I when I think of Dallas, I think of I think of like the 70s, early early 80s. I thought it was early 80s. Yeah, I think of like you know Nancy Reagan and roller disco and, and stuff like that. Like I think early 80s. The show was on until 91. Well, it must have been leaking oil by then, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. My mom, she watched Another World, the soap opera, and she watched it all the way back from like her high school. Yeah, that was from 1964 to 1999. That show ran. Wow. And my mom watched and recorded every episode. I remember like 
coming home from school and like I'm playing Nintendo and like mom's she's got she puts her VHS tape rewinds it that she had it set to record another world and I, I honestly remember her like she got that was the only only soap she ever watched. So yeah, I'm just always like every once in a while I'm just I'm just surprised that like some of these shows from these old timey shows just how long some of these things lasted. Yeah, Dallas was on until 91. So, yeah, there you go. So I thought that was interesting and probably probably no one else in the world mm. um, agrees. But you know what? If you don't like it, you can get your own podcast and you can talk about whatever you want, whatever you want to talk about. Get your own podcast. Yeah. There's probably something out there doing Dallas episode by episode. <laughs> if not, they should be. Yeah. Um, my complaint was is frames men's store. I feel like the word frame, the name, I should say. <laughs> Is such a big font that you would just think it's a frame store, not a men's store. Right. That's that's it. That's that's all the complaint I have here. But I felt frames is too big. I thought it should be frames, menswear. The menswear should, you know, that's what you're selling. That's just me. That's me. Well, yeah. So is it a guy named Frame, like Ed Frame, and this is his store? Yeah. Like that's what I assumed. Like like you say. Okay. So now I'm not don't I'm not going to say his name yet because I want to bring him up just yet, but. We go to second 19 and we see a gentleman crossing the street. I'm not bringing him up yet. A gentleman crossing the street. And we see, yeah, we see Stone's gift shop. So there's another person named Stone's. This is their gift shop. Okay. Now, Woodstock Jewelers, the town, the real world town is Woodstock, Illinois. But you can just suspend the disbelief. It's a man named Woodstock. And that's his jeweler store. Because Anthony Jewelers or Robinson's Jewelers. Like that's, you know, that, that's understood. That's what it looks like. And then there's something else called Beard and Stovall. I can't make the name out, but Village Cove. I don't know what that word could be there. That so that could be some kind of like indoor mall or something uh, in town. Yeah. So yeah. you know, uh, yeah, just names of names of stores because no, nothing here's a franchise. This is a small town. They're all just locally owned businesses. Support your local businesses, people. Yeah. What do you think that street looks like now? I looked at it on Google Maps. Nice, quaint town. They really do. Really, there's not a Starbucks and like a uh, a Target there. I didn't. I didn't see any. But I, 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 I joked with Sean last week. Was he brought up the courthouse that they passed when in the middle of the town? I looked it up. Now it's like a um a historical museum about about the justice system they had there. Mm-hmm. But that the prison is now a crepe cafe. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of crepes, that's a- <laughs> I thought that was just lip. I think it was like lip, yeah, lip, crepe or something like that. And I'm like, perfect. In Miller, Illinois, some Frenchman was like, I'm gonna put this calf, this 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 crepe place in the middle of this town. But yeah, no, this town looks nice. Uh, reminds me of a lot of towns uh, around me, um, you know, like Collingswood and stuff, where it's just like a lot of just small businesses and restaurants. So it's nice, nice little town that Phil just hates. He just hates these. These these people. I think Phil just hates everything. He's hex in his mind. Well, add one more thing to the list. Here, I'll let you guys start it. I'll let you guys take this. The the man himself. Yeah, well, we finally get the the entrance, the first of I guess I, I forget how many times he actually enters in this film where you keep seeing him over and over again. But you get a uh, Steven Tobolowski as the Ned Ryerson. Yeah, I think we get four or five repetitions of of this particular scene, of this walk down walk down the street and then uh, Phil Connors is recognized from a, a class member from Case Western High. Ned yeah. Ryerson. Yeah. 
Okay, now before we get into his performance, I gotta start with whoever dressed him out dressed him just perfectly. He's got like the extra fur at the top of his jacket. He's got like the old time fedora hat with like the little feather on the side of it. Yeah. I mean, he just looks like the type. I mean, <laughs> like Stephen Tobolowsky already halfway is this guy, <laughs> and then to see him like this. Yeah, yeah. This defined like his next twenty years. So, so Stephen here had had worked was a was a successful actor, but. This didn't this didn't hurt the career. You're definitely going to be remembered. And just looking at him, the the first shot, yeah, the entire outfit, top to bottom. I I don't know what what shoe size. There's probably like celebritysuesize.com that will tell you how big everyone's feet are. I I'm not going to look at that. I I don't think it's safe browsing. But the like everything is is big. The hat, the the coat is long. The bag, the briefcase is, is is like stuffed to the gills. It's packed. The feet, it almost looked like he's wearing flippers. You know, <laughs> yeah. the, the big black shoes, and he runs up, and it's it's yeah, it instantly makes an impression just with the mannerisms and the voice, and and again going to the the director's commentary, <laughs> Ramis said just uh, Tobolowski had everyone cracking up in the audition, like they just knew. <laughs> Like some, they just uh, the melding of character and actor. They knew from from the get go that he was just cracking everyone up in the audition. Like this was this this was their Ned. the The phrase that Ramis used is overwhelmingly obnoxious. Well, which which yeah, is, <laughs> is is Ned Ryerson, which is great because it makes him an excellent foil for Phil. <laughs> yeah, because now Phil's not the most yeah. you know dominant pain in the butt that's in the scene. He's got mm-hmm. someone that's got his claws in him and won't let go. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's like well he's like like the, the anti Phil because Phil wants to be smooth and he makes like wise cracks under his breath but he isn't you know he isn't straight up insulting you to your face. He's he's doing it behind your back or he's doing it with wordplay that he thinks maybe you're not going to catch. You know, it's nice on top but underneath he's not nice. Where Ryerson's the the, the opposite where it's yeah, he's overwhelmingly obnoxious. He's upfront and grating in his oblivious and obvious presentation, but underneath that, he seems to be a, you know, a decent human being. Yeah, I would love to have to, uh, uh Ned Ryerson stay at that bed and breakfast. Like he he won't cuz he's probably staying at a budget like hotel, maybe the Pennsylvanian, mm-hmm. but like you like I just know like if he talked with Mrs. Lancaster, he would say so many pleasantries <laughs> that she was like she was just trying to find a way to excuse herself from him. It'd be, yeah. He'd be like, "I love this house, this wallpaper, a beautiful ah." Oh, and he'd just be going off about how much he loves this place and how like she's doing a great job, and she'd be like, "This guy's too much in the morning. Like this is way too much for me." And she'd go, "That's nice, dear." And then she would like take the coffee pot and just go and, like, oh, "I gotta refill the coffee." Pot. Like, oh, the coffee pot's full. She's like, oh, I gotta go refill the coffee. She's like, picks it up and like walks away with it. Oh, okay, I'll wait right here for a fresh cup. Like, that would be him. Well, no, he'd be like, well, so you got your homeowner's insurance. You've got your business insurance. Yes. You've got liability. You've got slip and fall. Listen, I can set you up. Oh, oh God, you're right. He would. He would insure and steal the heck out of her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, he's, and he, I mean, you don't even learn it in this minute, but he does have the perfect annoying job too because <laughs> yes. he ends up working insurance it's like oh god like it's something he's he's already off-putting just on his personality and then he's got a job on top of that that's gonna bother you 
Well, we do get it. Like at the very end, yeah, I, I, I kind of jumped the gun. We do get that that he does sell insurance, but yeah, I, I kind of I, I got overexcited and, and kind of skipped. I just one thing I want to point out. So he runs up Ned Ryerson. Obviously, Phil doesn't doesn't quite remember this guy. Which yeah, it's it's been a while. You look at Phil, you think, okay, he's he's a few years removed from high school. But the presentation, it's Ned. Then he takes off the hat. Yeah. Ryerson, like, yeah. Why was that? <laughs> was he bald in high school? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> like, oh, he doesn't remember because of the hat. I'll take off the hat, and now, now you remember? Yeah. And I'm a, I'm like, I'm a guy. Like, I started losing my hair like senior year high school, but still, I wasn't bald until much later. Like, it had just started thinning. Like, if I ran into someone from high school, like taking off my hat isn't going to help him remember. <laughs> He he must just be thinking, oh, he doesn't recognize me because I'm wearing a hat. Yeah. It never even occurs to him that I wasn't bald then, and I am now. Yeah. <laughs> Ned, but he calls himself Ned the Head. So that's what I'm thinking. Like, you're right that he, like, owned into this balding pattern. Like, in high school, he must have already had this huge balding situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you think that's where the name came from, Ned the Head? I, I don't know. I feel like if he was bald in high school, like, I think you remember that kid, right? Yeah, that or his head was the same size now as it was then. Maybe <laughs> I think that's probably more likely. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think the belly button trick was in the, at the high school uh, talent show? <laughs> what he thinks is really memorable. That's what he really thinks. Uh, I mean, maybe when he says "bing," I I thought it was like he's putting like he's putting a, like a button or a jelly bean in it, and then you know popping it out or something. Like <laughs> he thinks like this is. I must have like, oh, gosh almighty. Um, so, yeah, so I looked up Case Western University in Cleveland's the only thing that comes up. And it doesn't say if it was a high school. Maybe it was a high school back then. Maybe it's the inspiration for it. So I assumed then that these guys grew up in Ohio and, you know, Phil got his, himself a meteorology gig. He goes to Pittsburgh and he's slowly making his way eastbound to New York in his mind, you know, to get some big network job there. Yeah. I, I, Whistling belly bunch. I can't. God, what is that? I don't know. For some reason, I thought, I thought Phil went to high school in Pittsburgh. Well, I mean, in this universe, sure. Case Western high could be yeah. in Pittsburgh. I mean, I typed in Case Western and that's the first thing. It was Case Western University in Cleveland, Ohio. That's the first thing that comes up. But yeah, it could be. This could be a whole thing where it's like, he wants that's a reason maybe he wants to get away from small towns. He grew up in one, and he was so bored by these people that he never wants to go back. It could be because I think it's kind of the thing like like Notre Dame High School. There's hundreds probably. There's at least one in every state. Every state in America has got a Notre Dame high school. Okay. You know, not just in was it Indiana? Wherever Notre Dame University is. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily affiliated with yeah, they might have just with Case Western University. They might have just grabbed a name and been like, "Yeah, whatever, high school." But yeah, that, that yeah, uh, I was, was that could that that could be. He's kind of yeah, working his way. Or for all you know, Tobolowski just grabbed it in the middle of his spiel and just took it. Yeah. So yeah, so so okay, so his belly button trick isn't remembering. His catchphrase "Bing" yeah. is not working, and man, I hope he invested in Microsoft or something. I hope I hope I hope Ned Ryers is doing well right now. Um. And so, so he says that, which is weird. He says, I got the shingles really bad going for senior year. I'm like, that's even more of a reason he wouldn't remember you. You weren't around. You weren't there. 
That's yeah, that's funny because I, I I I totally agree. I was about to say there's there's someone that that I ended up kind of reconnecting with years later, decades later on Facebook, who who missed like a big part of senior year. And I remember the person, but I remember them being around. Like I don't I'm like, wait, you weren't you weren't there? Yeah. Like I didn't notice. Like I and not that I was a very observant. Uh, student in high school, but like I, I remember them from the times they were there, and then they weren't there, and it was like, oh, I, I didn't think about them not being there. Yeah. Now, also, this was like a, a casual acquaintance, someone. This wasn't like, oh, my best friend disappeared. You know, this isn't like Barb on uh, <laughs> on Stranger Things. But yeah, you know, like I, you don't at that age, like unless someone's really close, you don't necessarily notice when they're not there. So yeah, if you yeah, if he missed a big portion of senior year. You're likely to remember the the people you graduated with, the people that were there. Yeah, uh, not Ned Ryers. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just like he has all the reasons why you know you wouldn't remember him. But I also, by the way, I looked it up. Shingles is essentially a reactivated virus of chickenpox. Yeah, that's why it's unusual. That's why he missed high school with it. It's usually adults get shingles. Yeah, usually older people get shingles. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah. So that that this kind of odd because isn't it? What is it? If you get like if you get ching- chicken pox as a kid, usually you get it once and then you're immune. You don't get it again. Yeah. And if you don't get it as a kid, but, but you get it later, that's when it's really bad. But you can get shingles. As shingles. Yeah. You can, as you get older, it can reactivate in another form of shingles. Yeah. And shingles is supposed to be horrific because it feels like your skin's like, it's like apparently way worse than what chicken pox was. Oh, really? And it's contagious, right? So you got to. I don't think so. I know. I don't think shingles is. I think only chickenpox is. Oh no! Because oh, shingles isn't contagious. Oh, okay. I mean, I just yeah, I, I assume so because yeah, chickenpox. That, that was the whole thing is that people had chickenpox. Like they own the, the parents all wanted their kids to get the chickenpox. That was that was at least the rumor I heard. Is that like you would if one kid had chickenpox, you would you would make sure they play with them and stuff. Uh, yeah, we did that. Um, yeah, try to explain that to a kid now. I'm like, yeah, I used to get this really bad disease, and then my parents would have me go play with all the other kids in the neighborhood and get them infected. <laughs> like, it sounds insane. It, though it's like a, a natural vaccine. You know, make sure you get it young. So yeah, well, now they have an now they have an actual vaccine, so they don't have to do this crazy stuff anymore. I, I think that's the problem with kids these days, because it's just a vaccine. Like my day, you, I, I remember me and my sister, we both had chickenpox at the same time and had the those itchy, the pox all over and taking baths with like water filled with uh, uh, cornstarch to try to, I don't know that what, I don't know what that was supposed to do, but just remember like putting a bunch of uh, cornstarch in the bath and getting in the water. I don't know if that like stops the itching or something, but. It's supposed to. I don't know that it does. That sounds familiar to uh, poison ivy. How you just subscribe? I think poison ivy had. Well, it's the same thing. You're trying to keep it. Keep it from itching. Okay. And then, because then it's a, you know how it is. Once you itch it once, now then it's just like, it gets worse and worse and worse. And eventually you start ripping them off. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's a good time. Yikes. <laughs> but are you saying now, you're saying that they, like, they don't expose kids to chicken pox? They just like. No, there's a, uh, there's the, the, what the heck is it called? The varicella vaccine. Oh, wow. Oh. So they give it to people now. I saw it. Years later, when I was I was going through people's like medical records, and I'm like, "What's varicella?" And I looked it up, and I'm like, "Oh, it's the chicken." I'm like, "Check it out, chicken packs vaccine." Yeah, you get it when your kids get it now. Yeah, but you just did you just did you just break into a hospital to do that? No, I, I worked in a I actually worked in a clinic. Oh, okay, 
I was just I was imagining you with like a like a flashlight in your mouth in the middle of the night, just like going through. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like I got the answer, and everybody's like, "Why didn't you just Google it?" Like, oh yeah, I guess I could have done that. Yeah, that would make more sense. <laughs> oh, WebMD, that's what it was. Ah. Uh. Before I forget, I listen. Stephen Tobolowski, the guy who's playing Ned Ryerson, has his own podcast. Yes, it's oh, called cool. The Tobolowski Files, which he talks about. He writes something for each episode. He writes like three stories. The, sh- the show is amazing if you've never listened to it. But he does he does a couple episodes about Groundhog Day, about shooting this scene and about shooting the scene at the end where he has like the long speech that he gives. Mm. Mm-hmm. And like he talked about because you know Bill Murray was notoriously difficult on this shoot. And he talked about it, and he said that he never really had any problem with them. He's like, as long as you showed up, you were professional, and you knew your lines, but you were willing to live with them, he was fine. Mm-hmm. They were like, but he, he was going through a lot in his life, so he didn't exactly have a long fuse. So, like, if you blew a line or two, like, he was going to blow up. Mm. Really? Yeah. Which apparently was not – he wasn't always like that, but apparently on this shoot he was. Something had happened to him. I, don't, I forget what it was. It might have been a divorce – some sort of financial thing. I don't remember what it was. Something happened to him right around the time of the shoot. Cause this is when he got into it with Harold Ramis all during the shoot too. Yeah. Yeah. This ended up turning into a big thing that they didn't talk. Well, I don't know, maybe ever like this. I think this is the last movie they did. I think when, when Harold Ramis was dying, I think they got, they like reconnected like right at the end. But like, what does that matter? The only thing, yeah. The only thing I think of is before how Ramis died, that they were even working on in a pseudo way was the Ghostbusters video game. And I think everyone but Bill recorded in studio. Mm. I think he literally phoned his in. <laughs> um, yeah. You do that when you're Larry, I guess. Yeah. No, that's the, I, I, I read up, I heard about that. Cause I, you know, like making the Ghostbusters board a uh, video game. What they did was they actually had Brian Doyle, Murray, his brother as the mayor in the video game. And what the, the, the developers did was is they showed him everything they're working on and they gave him like the grand tour. And it was kind of like <laughs> said, like, go talk to your brother. And so then his so when he talked to his brother, he was like, they're really working hard on it. And that's how he was. Apparently, that's how they were able to get to Bill was that they gave his brother like this, this nice role as like the mayor of New York City, who was Brilliant. like pro ghost busting. And so. But yeah, everyone recorded. Everyone recorded their lines. All the Ghostbusters recorded their lines and stuff. Uh, and I just know that yeah, they, I think they just gave a bunch of one-liners to to Bill to read on, read off the phone, <laughs> as he is what to do. Mm. Yeah. So um, I've I've actually exchanged emails with Stephen Tobolowsky. <laughs> really? When his uh yeah, when his podcast first started, when it first came out, he gave out his email address on there. And he said, I just, you know, ask questions about anything. So I wrote to him and asked if he was ever going to talk about the movie Sneakers. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Sneakers? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that's where he does. That's fun. You know, my voice is my passport. Verify me. <laughs> so I wrote to that. wrote to him. He's like, he wrote back like like two hours later. He's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'm going to do that. And over the course of like a year, like a couple of times, I wrote back and forth with him because he, he did an audio book for like a Stephen King book that I had. Mm-hmm. And I was, I asked him like, are you ever going to do any other audio books? And he writes back and stuff. Wow. But it was he just like he gave out his email address. I'm like, oh, this has to be some sort of group email thing. Nope, he just writes back to it. I'm like, all right, that's that's unusual. Yeah, yeah, he does he does come across as a, as a nice guy. And yeah, listen, that's the um the podcast is the Tobolowski Files. Yeah, and it's it's scripted. He writes it out ahead of time, but it's just him telling stories stories from his childhood of, of he grew up in Texas or stories about show business or stories about 
just life, just yeah. kind of the stories of, you know, just kind of a, an audio memoir, one chapter at a time. It is a really interesting podcast. I would suggest it to folks, uh, you know, if you're kind of, you know, the man behind the Ned, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, he was he's definitely one of those. I would say he's gone past it now, but he was always one of those, those that guys. Like he would show up in something. You'd be like, I know that guy from somewhere. And then normally it would either be this, maybe like a sneakers or, you know, something along those, like you, whatever you caught him in. Like, oh yeah, that's what I know him from. Yeah. That and like 75 other movies. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember really enjoying, I think it was like season two or three of Heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, He played a, not, he wasn't a villain, but he played a very strict guy who was in control of some people who had powers. I think what's her face? Um, She's on the good place now. What's her name? Kristen Bell. Is it Kristen yeah. Bell. Yeah, she played his daughter. I think it was his. Yeah, it was his daughter. Yeah. And he was very. He wasn't. He was just like he was like very strict how he talked. And so you see this bald guy with the coke bottle glasses. But like I remember, he was such a commanding presence. How he would talk, he just was like he was in charge of the scene, and he told her not to use her powers and this and that. Or, and I just remember it being like, this is Ned Ryerson, but he's not silly at all. Like he has this performance where you're just like. You can't, you know, you can't mess with this guy. And I thought that was really good of him to, like, bring that performance. He didn't just play goofballs. Mm-hmm. And then he showed up. My wife watched that show Glee for the first couple of years it was out. <laughs> and he showed up on there as Sandy oh, Ryerson. <laughs> so cool. they gave him the same last name. And he was a, even more of a goofball than this. Like, he's wearing, like, the sweater vests and, like, the shorts. And he's, like, this super over-the-top crazy teacher. <laughs> and, like, I hated that show. But whenever he would show up, I'd be like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I'll watch that. Yeah, and he he's done a bunch of stuff. And it kind of, like, it circled around where he, in the beginning of his career, like a lot of actors, he's just got, a, like, a lot of one-offs where he's one episode of a bunch of different series. And, and now he does a, a, a bunch of guest stuff now. Uh, so my last note here is the last line he says, you don't hear a lot of it, but when he says he was dating Phil's sister, Mary, yeah, I don't want to talk about the next minute. That's another minute. That's another day. I, I want to think that that dating was mutual. Like, I honestly want to believe, and we can talk about this tomorrow more, but I want to, I want to just, just kind of like, you know, pass it off to, to Jeff that I, I like to think that this was a, it was a mutual dating. It wasn't like creepy stalker guy over annoyance. I like to think that like, that Phil's sister Mary was like a really nice outgoing person and they both like really hit it off about maybe the talent show or something. Maybe that's why he thinks the talent show was important to Phil because maybe that's how he met Mary. Maybe she t- she noticed him when he was bing, <laughs> bing, bing. Like not going to the next minute, but from the way they're, they're showing it now, he keeps saying, I did this, bing, and I did this, bing. I hope they're just trying to ramp it up to be like, I literally dated your sister and you don't know who I am. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the best part. I was probably in your house. Like, I was in like, your house. Like, I was the best man at your brother's wedding. You don't remember me? Like, But, uh, yeah, we'll have to find out more about, uh, you know, if uh, Phil wants to stay around and chit-chat with Ned. Well, who wouldn't? Well, yeah, they're just going to get to catch up on old times. He's like, ah, you know what? Got, got to run and talk about Groundhog, but I'll come catch back up with you. Ned and they, they 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 do a good handshake and and they walk off as friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's what happens next minute. They they exchange business cards and numbers and yeah, exactly. Look me up whenever you're in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'm sure that's what'll happen. I can't, I, I can't wait to listen, guys. It's gonna be a real short episode when everything goes that well. <laughs> everything goes well. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's yeah. I think all the I I do have one more thing I want to say uh, right. about this minute non non Ryerson 
related. Just something to keep an eye on. This is our first time kind of walking down the street and having this encounter. And this is going to happen again, as folks that have seen the movie already know. And it's going to be interesting keep, to keeping an eye on kind of the, the background, the extras and the background stuff to see how well they do, how the continu- continuity does, Ooh. kind of keeping things straight through all these different encounters because Phil's the only thing that's supposed to be changing. And, and one thing I want to catch on when when Ned runs up to Phil and you can kind of see in the background past the old man, there's a bakery across the street. And there's a couple guys that are standing in front of that bakery. And then at one point they're holding probably cups of coffee. They're holding cups. And then at yeah. one point you see one guy take a drink. And I'm just wondering like how much coffee did that guy have to drink? One, there's like the repeated takes of just this day of like this scene. And then this scene happens, I don't know, a half dozen times throughout the movie. Like, oh man, like yeah. probably like the first take or – I don't know it's it's kind of far off. I can't see, but it looks maybe there's a purse, maybe it's a woman. But whoever it is, the character like takes a sip of coffee, and I just hope it wasn't like a huge gulp on the first take. And then they're like, "Okay, you got to take that huge gulp every time to kind of keep it consistent." <laughs> they're probably like running off to the bathroom between takes from all the coffee. I would say the guy he gave him empty cups in case they dropped it, because uh, that'd be the worst part is like having a continuity of there's a coffee spill. That's even more like detail that like how the sh- the streets, the sidewalks wet. Yeah. If there's a snowpack somewhere. I don't know. They, you think they, they must have shot 10 different takes of this scene and then they probably did 10 different takes of a later day in the in the movie scene because they got everyone here and they're just like, remember what you've done. Remember how you moved. And same thing with the drivers. Mm-hmm. They got to organize those drivers again, even though. Like you could account, there is that 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 stretch. You could stretch the timeline a bit, where it's like, oh, maybe because Phil was a little late or he was a little fast here, that butterflied into a few different things that were different. Right. Ninety nine percent of this town is going to work the same way, and you're going to have those same cars and that same procession. Probably have them all lined up. Okay, you know, I think it's like Tan Oldsmobile, like Maroon Buick, uh, looks like a black pickup. It's just like. They have them organized back at the parking lot the same way. And they're like, you know, if you're wearing earmuffs, wear the earmuffs. You got – yeah. And that's what I say. I think that's why I think the coffee cups are probably empty because, like, if any of these extras drop the coffee cup, it's like, great. Now there's a stain there that wasn't there on the last take. All right, yeah, that that makes sense. So you can just pick up the coffee cup and just hold it up again. Okay. So I, I doubt anyone has anything that's going to ruin the scene. That's what I, I mean. If I was – yeah, if I was like the in charge of the actors, I'd be like, no one's holding any coffee. <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I think every show, like, they, I think there's they talk about that how like anyone who's faking drinking coffee in a scene of a show, it's all empty it's coffee empty. cups because like because like they show like a couple scenes where it's like a person's holding a coffee cup and like oh, the weirdest way that like this would fall out of your hands if it was a full cup, mm-hmm. like they're holding it by the lid. You're like the weight of the cough cup is going to drop out of that lid if you're holding like that. Oh boy. All right. Well, that's why you're in charge of the extras. And all all right. right. Yeah. I guess. All right. I'll, I'll put on my, so, yeah, put my hat. <laughs> yeah. And Jeff, so do you have anything else? And not just this minute, anything else, uh, Ned, Ned Ryerson or Groundhog related before you leave us? No, I look forward to listening to the rest of it to see how you guys, uh, hit scenes the second, third, fourth, and fifth time they roll back around. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, we may just replay the uh, the episode. You may just hear your voice come up again and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't tell oh, you. Well, okay, one, we're only going to pay you once, and then we'll just replay the episode every time the scene comes up in the movie. And then the second thing is, we're not paying you. Oh, <laughs> I was hoping for SAG minimum at least. <laughs> Get your card, your your union card from this. I don't. I don't know if uh, we haven't r- risen to that prominence yet in uh, in terms of the there you go. yet show business hierarchy. We're more show than business here, and uh, <laughs> we're not even a lot of that. But hey, we thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Yes, we, yeah. we certainly do. Uh, no, Jeff, let let our let our listeners know where they can uh, find you and bother you. Oh, well, you can uh, you can Google the Burbs Minute and find us over there at our original Movies by Minute podcast. That's the that's the P13 one. We kept things clean over there. Then uh, Jane Silent Bob Minute over on uh, Dueling Genre. We just finished Clerks. We kept things not as clean there because Clerks, they use some dirty words in that movie, folks. So <laughs> we have to talk about them. Um, if for some reason you wanted to listen to me in a non-Movies by Minute format, I also do Slycast, a Sylvester Stallone podcast where we're covering all of Stallone's movies, one movie at a time. Our, uh, we took like almost a year hiatus because we're like real busy. <laughs> so it's been tough to get together. Plus, we're into his 90s phase. So not the best movies coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next one is The Specialist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, OK. I think all I remember that it was like he had some weird yeah, shower was, sex scene or something. I've never seen it. Is that with Sharon Stone? <laughs> I'm going to watch it That's... the night before we record. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it'll be terrific. Oh, it's going to be great, I'm sure. Good, good luck with that. Yeah, that sounds great. So I would definitely in, in, encourage all our listeners to check out uh, yeah, Slycast and, and yeah, Jay and Silent Bob and, and The Burbs Minute. All great stuff. And, and also, if you're listening, you can... You can find us here and just wherever you found us, come back tomorrow and you'll hear us again. So uh, we will see you tomorrow if there is one. Bing! Bing! Bing!